It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Don't forget our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. You can visit them online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or you can check them out at one of their four locations, three in Sevier County, including Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and of course, Sevierville, and that one in Knoxville at 8018 Kingston Pike, just across from Trader Joe's at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store. Plenty to get to in this edition of the podcast. Rick Barnes' basketball team goes 2-0 last week. They beat Vanderbilt in Nashville 68-60. They win against LSU on Saturday 64-50. Rob Lewis, what did Rick Barnes learn about his basketball team this past week? Man, I think he probably learned a a couple of things, or at least had some things confirmed that he suspected. And, um, I mean, they've they've got some toughness to him. I think you saw that Saturday against LSU. I don't know that they – you know, I mean, I think LSU kind of brought that out in in them. I mean, I think I think LSU, you know, raised Tennessee's hackles up a little bit with the, with their antics, their histrionics, you know, their attitude, the way they you know, trash talked them down at Baton Rouge. And um, I mean, I think Tennessee showed up and, and showed some backbone. Um, I don't want to make too much of the Euros plastic trade for John Fulkerson, but man, I mean, it's a small sample size, however, but. To me, that seems like it's been it's been a good thing. I do. I'm going to make a lot about it, and here's why: <laughs> because he just gives them a swagger. I mean, like all the trash talk and all that stuff. He's been doing that from the bench. You're seeing it more now because he's on the floor. But like, I think the kid's playing way more confident than he ever has in his career. I think he just has he he has got a greater inner belief, much like why Zakai Ziegler continues to have an impact. It's not that Zakai Ziegler's making some crazy amount of three drops, Rob, but he 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 believes he belongs. And I think Urosh is starting to believe he belongs too. And I think that's changing the mindset of some of those guys that I think have lacked some confidence uh, for most of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I think – I mean, he, he's always been one of the most popular kids on the team. And and you're right, AP. I mean, he's, he's, he's showing the same emotion – on the floor that he showed on the bench, like waving a towel or, you know, jumping around and, and celebrating. And, and I just, I mean, I think it's infectious, but again, I don't want to, it's two games. I don't want to say this. It's, you know, going to flip, flip the season around, but I think it's been a big deal. And also that's, you know, you're not even talking about the fact he's been far more productive than Fulgerson in SEC oh. games. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not even close. No, it's not even close. I mean, in fact, in seven SEC games, Euros has 51 total points, 38 rebounds. That's an average of 7.3 points a game and five, almost five and a half rebounds a game. Um, he's shooting 56% from the field, 20 of 36 in, in seven SEC games. Rob, I, w- I want to nickname him. Let's just call him Euros the Bully. I mean, I just I, – I, I I mean, I think this team needs – and I don't want to say you, you should fight every game. That's that's not what it's about. But, I mean, he's not Admiral, so that's not the comparison. But but you knew when you stepped on the floor there was a chance Admiral might get a T, right? I mean, he might fight with somebody. I mean, he, ha- he had some kind of edge about him. Tennessee's, Tennessee needs that, and Euros has brought that to this team. Does that mean they're going to win out this week or they're suddenly going to be a high seed? I'm not saying that. 
but he brings an element of toughness, you know, in a position that has to be tough. Yes. And, and Hubbard, even, I mean, I'm going to get to that in one second, but the numbers, since he's been starting, I mean, the numbers you threw out were good, but like since he's been getting 20 minutes a game, he's averaging 12 and a half points, six and a half rebounds. Fulgersham was averaging seven points, three rebounds in more minutes in SEC play. But to your point, watch your rush. Watch when Tennessee plays. When when the opponent gets up a shot, he's going to hit somebody. I mean, he's going to put a – I mean, when, when it's time to go rebound, somebody is getting moved. I mean, he – may not get the rebound but they're going to know he's there and you can go back i mean this this was really evident to me in the kentucky game i mean tennessee got their eyes beat in but he put a body on oscar schwebe and it bothered him and if you if you remember that game i mean schwebe i mean he got 12 rebounds but he also just had nine points and euros affected him and he didn't like it and the two games since euros been in the starting lineup i mean i i i think tennessee the is a clearly much more physical, much more aggressive team. And I, th- I mean, the way Euros plays suits his head coach's personality more than anybody else out on that floor, except for maybe Viscoe. Yeah, the trash talk definitely suits Rick Moore's personality. I love that. When, he, when, he's, when he's saying, Brent, give me more, give me more, and he's hand gesturing and, you know, all that stuff. But, I mean, you look at just the energy that he brings – like, I mean, he gets the big block, Rob. They go right down. Ziegler hits the three in transition after Vescovy. God, those old habits die hard. Vescovy, you know, kicks it out. And, I mean, it just just some real momentum-type changing plays. And then you throw in the fact that Rob's already said the word histrionics in this podcast. I mean, I didn't even know that was a word five minutes ago. I mean, we're off to a rabid start. You know, but Rob, it's it's about the physicality element for Rick Barnes, okay? I mean, he he, he can deal with the – you know, the waving at the crowd and everything. I mean, his biggest issue, I think, with his post players is their lack of physicality uh, on a consistent basis. John Fulkerson, Cam Waugh. I mean, you're mentioning it. I mean, Flavich is good. And he's learned how to play without fouling. You know, he's not gotten himself in, in a bunch of foul trouble. But it's the physicality in there that Rick Barnes is looking for on both ends of the floor that, that, is, that, is, paying, that is paying dividends for Tennessee. I'm with you, though. Pump the brakes. Let's let's don't anoint anything here. But it has been a clear shot in the arm for this basketball team. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Saturday, I just, I mean, I, I thought Tennessee was was going to win that game. I didn't think they were going to, but I didn't think they would win it the way they they did. I mean, they they bullied LSU the, the way LSU bullied them in Baton Rouge. I mean, just it was I mean, fifty points. I mean, that, that's that's LSU's lowest total of the season. And I mean, I just think coaches better when he has guys like Yurosh. I mean, just physical. I mean, the best guy, the best player that Rick's had here is been Grant Williams. I mean, Grant, Grant Williams was a guy that moved people. You know, I mean, that was that that was the personality of that basketball team. I and mean, they were they were physical, they were they were tough, they were hard nosed. And I'm not comparing Yurosh to Grant. I mean that's those are those are two two birds of a completely different feather. I'm just saying I, I think for Rick for Rick to really you know, get, get in his groove. He's got to have a team that has an edge to it, like yours brings to the floor. All right, let's talk about this team defensively. I looked this up today, and I, I think my stats are correct here, Rob. When Tennessee gives up less than 70 points, they're 12-1. and one. When they give up over 70 points, they're 1-4. The only game they won where they surrendered more than 70 points was the Arizona game. Uh, but, but the only game that they've lost where they've given up less than 70 points is that overtime loss to Texas Tech. 
can that can Tennessee defensively sustain and defend that way where where they can hold team under teams good good offensive teams under seventy points on a no. regular basis? I don't think so. Not not. I mean, they they can they can win. I mean, they can grind some games out at home like they did on Saturday. It's good teams like LSU, but you know as well as I do, Harper, I mean, you're not going to be able to do that on when, when the team's feeling good and some building. The shots are falling. The crowd, you know, the crowd's into it. The momentum's going. I mean, they're not going to be able to hold everybody under under seventy on the road. Not the not the good teams. Now, the good news for Tennessee is they've already played all their toughest road games. Their toughest road game left is, I don't know, at Arkansas, at Mississippi State, one of those two. But I just, I mean, to be anything other than a seven or eight seed in, in the NCAA tournament, they're going to, they're going to have to find a way to score some points. Yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee did not score 70 points in a game last week. How do they do that? Do you see do you see some signs that, that there's some some offensive? I mean, look, we've talked about Euros, but he he's not going to suddenly average 15 a game for you. That's not who he is, and that's not what he's bringing to the team. Can they find more offense? I mean, I think it's I mean it's, I mean it's it sounds utterly elementary, but they just kind of shoot the ball better. I mean, they're 12th in the SEC. I mean, this, these are some stupid numbers over. They are 12th in the SEC in three-point percentage. This is in league play in seven league games. They're shooting 29%. They're second in the SEC in three-pointers attempted at 154. That's not a good – that's not that, good. No, that is not a I good combination. Do, I don't do math, but that's not good. That is not a good combination. And, and, and most of those, Rob, are good looks. It's not like they're just forcing stuff. They just can't make anything. No. I mean, that's the, – they've, they've taken more three-pointers than Auburn in SEC play. I mean, who would have thought that? The so, only team that that shot more is Alabama. So, how do they score? I mean, obviously, elementary, you got to shoot the ball better. But at some point, seven games in, you're a little bit of you are what you are. And and I know Rick has said, hey, shots will start falling. But I'm going to go back to the question I asked you. I think the second week of December about this team. How do they score when three point shots aren't falling? Where where, where can they generate offense? Is it high ball screen with Ziegler and and, and Kennedy, Man, I, what do they do here? I think it's tough because, I mean, I don't see anybody in this team that's putting it on the floor and getting to the rim other than Kennedy Chandler. True. I mean, I'm, I'm astounded at three years in. I mean, I, I cannot believe that Josiah has not developed that part of his game. I mean, he's one of the best athletes of the team. He's six foot six. He's strong as an ox. And he gets nothing when it comes to penetration. And Kennedy, I, I thought Kennedy did the best job that I've seen him of not only, you know, he only scored, I think, nine points on Saturday, but he was, a, he did the best job, I thought, yet of creating offense for others with his penetration. He had, you know, some, some really good driving kicks um, to Santiago. He had one really good, you know, where he dipped and, di- dipped and dived and set Euros up with a bunny. So, and I, I think that he could get better at that. He could, he could do more of that. But, um, I just, I mean, other than just simply making shots up, they're just, they don't have a lot of creators on offense. I mean, Zakai is, is fun to watch, but he's 5'7", and he's not going in there and, you know, he's 5'9", excuse me, he's kind of, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, he, I mean, he's not going in there and creating a lot of offense, you know, for himself in the paint. I just, I mean, they have to shoot it better. They have to play faster. They need it. They need they they turn people over a pretty good bit. I don't think they get enough transition offense out of it. I agree with that. I mean, they 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 miss a lot of opportunities. 
you know, in, in three on two situations, even some two on one situations, they, they, they just, they miss those chances. They, they do not, their ratio of points off turnovers is not nearly where it needs to be for as much as they're turning people over. All right. So Tennessee this week gets a break in my opinion, Rob, Florida comes to town on Wednesday. Gators are um, 12 and six, three and three. As we tape this podcast, they play Monday night uh, against Ole Miss in a makeup game. That's a nice scheduling benefit for, for Tennessee because they, they win in an easy game over Vanderbilt Saturday at home, 61-42. At Ole Miss on Monday, I don't even know if they'll go back to games. They won't. I talked to somebody this morning. They're just going to come they'll, to Knoxville. They'll, they'll spend the night in Oxford. We're taping this on Monday. They'll spend the night in Oxford tonight. Fly to Knoxville Tuesday morning, have a shoot around, walk through, and, and play Tennessee. So I, I'm, I'm, I think it's a big break for Tennessee. But I don't think Florida's – Fantastic by any means, but I think that's even more of an advantage for Tennessee. They're playing three games in what five days. Yeah, they're gonna have virtually no opportunity to scout you at all. Yeah. yeah. Now, now the big man for Florida can can play. I mean that that'll be a challenge for Tennessee in the post and how they match up with him. But Florida has a hard time scoring as well. That's not their greatest gift. They are they are not a great scoring basketball team. So. Uh, favorable matchup for Tennessee Wednesday night at home against Florida. And then Tennessee travels to Texas on Saturday uh, and a Texas team, Rob, that has been kind of up and down in a, in a, in a roller coaster, big 12. I mean, it, you know, you never know who's going to beat who in the big 12 on, on, a, on a given Saturday. It seems yeah. Like. There, I mean, I haven't watched, I haven't watched Texas play a ton. I'll be the first to admit it. I'll, I'll dive into them this week and, and, and you know, and, and doing some pregame stuff, but they're talented. Like you say, Hubbard, they're, they're up and down. Um, I don't think you really know what to expect. A, you know, first-year head coach, been a lot of turnover with the roster, and obviously going to be a lot of, you know, fanfare and, and hype from um, the media down there and, and nationally, I think, for Rick going back. Yep. And Hubbard, before we move on from hoops, I wrote this, but I want to throw this out there today. Santiago, I, I apologize for every every bad thing I've thought about you as a player the pre- previous two years but i've never thought i've never thought he was a bad player but I've, i always also thought that that rick barnes overvalued him played him too much at the expense of others i can't the, the kid has totally tur- turned my head around i mean i think he's tennessee's most valuable player here you know seven games into the conference season and i, I wrote this in the three two one for monday and there i threw a lot of stats in there this is the craziest one in sec play however santiago who is six foot three I think we can all agree, not incredibly athletic. He's 14th in the SEC in defensive rebounding. Yep. It's a guy, it's a guy committed. Tied with six foot 10 Jabari Smith. They're both pulling down four, four defensive rebounds per game. Yeah. Jabari Smith, who will be maybe the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. But again, that, that's, you know, that's his style of play. And that's why Rick Barnes, you know, li- likes um, Muscovy because he can, he, he does all the little things and, uh, gets under people's nerves. Now he's just got – he can be Robin to Euros the Bullies Batman um, in, in the way that they play basketball. So we'll see how Tennessee fares on Wednesday night as they take on Florida. While Tennessee was beating LSU on Saturday, the Volunteers were also in the middle of a football junior day and recruiting junior day. Austin, as you review the list, um, a good number of Georgia guys in town, some key Georgia guys in town, starting with Vic Burley a quarterback in town as well. Um, I think it's important for, for tennis. I think those two guys, there are a lot of guys we're going to, several guys we're going to get to, 
I thought those two guys were important for Tennessee to get on campus yet again. Burley's been here before, so so is uh, Christian, the quarterback, but but important for Tennessee to get those back in. I'm not going to mess up his name, so I'm going to let you do it first. <laughs> That's so funny. Hubs is the king of just saying the kid's first name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we go do Hubs if he ends up here. You got to do it on the ball network. I, I'll learn to pronounce it. Go ahead. Um, you know, I, I'll go with the Zini. Um, you know, I, I as, as much as I know Tennessee really loves Nico, they also can't put all their eggs in Nico's basket for all the line, things I've outlined on the, on the, on the general's quarters about the fact that, you know, with the NIL uh, structure in California, the kicking already, you know, have um, marketing opportunities. So to me, Tennessee, you know, Tennessee and anybody that wants to be in the race for Nico has to be able to you know, bring some opportunities to the table now. Um, and that doesn't mean you're going to end up, you know, getting the kid in the long run, that puts you in a tough spot. So uh, Tennessee will continue to recruit Nico. Uh, Josh Heupel was by there on Monday. Uh, they're going to continue to recruit, um, you know, Chris Christopher Vizzini. They're going to continue to recruit Dante Moore. Um, and, and then they'll continue to look at other quarterbacks, Brand. But they really like, you know, Christopher a good amount. Um, he's a good-looking kid. He's big. He's a legit 6'4". Um, and, and, you know, and it seems like uh, a pretty, you know, well put together kid. Uh, and then Vic Burley, I mean, Rodney Gardner will have Tennessee. They, Tennessee may not get Vic Burley, but they will be in that one till the end, in my opinion, like all the way till the end. Yeah, Coach Garner and Rodney has been recruiting Vic Burley for a long time. I mean, since he was at Auburn when, when Vic Burley was very young. Uh, back to quarterbacks, um, Dante Moore, right? Yep. Is, is the kid from Detroit, Michigan. I'll give Joey Halsley, Tennessee's quarterbacks coach, credit here, Austin, because he never has been just, you know, it's all about Nico. He's certainly recruiting Nico. He's done a good job, though, with building relationships. It's pretty clear that, that Christopher Vanzini's family um, it seems pretty comfortable with Tennessee, and I think Joey Halsley deserves a lot of credit for that. With the way that he's recruited him, correct? Same thing with Nico. Same thing with I mean, like I agree. I mean, he he literally like Halsley. Halsley has his own area, but for the most part, when coaches went out on the road, he's been on the quarterback circuit. I mean, he has you know been in the same handful of places, you know, a bunch, you know, seeing all these different quarterbacks. So um, you know, he, he has done a nice job for a guy that was come in and you just kind of thought, okay, he knows hype system. You know, hype wants him around. He's you know, not recruited at this level. Um, I, I think he does a really, really nice job, you know, with the kids that he does have and, uh, and seems to connect well with, uh, with uh, prospects. Yeah, t- Tennessee had a lot of, again, a lot of good prospects in town, um, some skill guys. But to me, the big thing that jumped out about what they had in town this week for this junior day was some of the big body guys that they had. We mentioned Vic, Vic Burley, who's going to be a defensive lineman. Then you look at the offensive line standpoint, uh, Austin starting in state you, you got a couple kids you know in in Bryson Sanders and and Aiden Bustle in town and then you got the, the the big kid over in North Carolina Robertson who was in town I mean for 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 when you look at Tennessee's class for next year everybody wants to gravitate to quarterback which you have to have running back which you have they got to go deep on the offensive line though when you look at where this offensive line is they got to go four or five you know, at least on the offensive line. I thought it was key to get some quality guys in for, for this first junior day starting in state. 
Well, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, you start with Aiden Bustle. Tennessee seems to be positioned extremely well there. Um, you know, uh, Tennessee to me is the team to beat for Aiden Bustle. Uh, then there's Bryson Sanders, who, you know, Tennessee's kind of, you know, continued to evaluate. He had a nice junior year. Um, and, and in talking to some people coming out of this weekend, you know, Coach Ellerby kind of does uh, – it's like offensive lineman jeopardy. Like, I mean, like he quizzes these kids. Um, and, 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 you know, Bryson Sanders mentally, you know, was unbelievable in, in that drill. Um, just just un- understanding protections, this and that, and, you know, um, understanding what Coach Ellerby is looking for. So I think Tennessee will, you know, is, is, is going to make a much bigger push there with Bryson Sanders. Plus he has some ver- uh, versatility, um, you know, because he can play, you know, he could play right tackle. He's not a left tackle. He could play right tackle. Most likely, though, a guard and or a center um, at the next level and, uh, and a really smart kid. And then Sam Pendleton, the kid from over in North Carolina, um, you know, likes Tennessee a good amount. Tennessee offered – actually offered his coach. They, you know, they told his coach about the offer um, last week, and then the coach forgot to tell the kid. So the kid came in, didn't know he had the offer. Tennessee's talking to the kid as if you have the offer – um, you know, and then so there's a little bit of confusion, but then he found out he, he's got the offer. Everything's good. Um, good looking kid from over in the Winston Salem area. So not too far away. So, I mean, like, again, Tennessee's got to continue to recruit that, that footprint around here. I think Tennessee's going to be a much bigger player in North Carolina. Um, obviously they got you know some new ties there with Billy high, but I, I think, you know, Jerry Mack has, has coached over in that area. Eckler knows that area, you know, from having coached at several different spots over the years. So, Tennessee's going to, I think, try to be a bigger player in the state of North Carolina this current cycle. And, like I said, I think the Pendleton kid is a, uh, a kid that you have a, a chance with. Grew up an NC State fan. Obviously, Clemson's in play, too. But, uh, you know, I think Tennessee's Tennessee's in play there. Yeah, and uh, family has some some ties from some friends in, in East Tennessee. Mom is a huge – was a huge Pat Summit fan. Uh, they've been over to several Tennessee games uh, through the years and, and – um, even some Lady Vol basketball games. So they've made that drive a, a good bit. And, um, again, my mom, uh, family has some ties, not, not relationship ties, but some friendship ties uh, in the East Tennessee area, which has brought them to this area quite a bit through the years. Who else – what else stood out to you, Austin, about the junior day in terms of, uh, of, of visitors? I mean, they had the eighth grader in, right? Yeah, Tyler Atkinson. He doesn't look like an eighth grader. He looks like a 20-year-old. Uh, grew up, actually, in East Knoxville. Uh, plays for uh, Grayson Middle School down there in Georgia now. We'll be a, 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 at the high school level next year. But, I mean, he's – I mean, but you, you never look, know you were talking to an eighth grader. Best-looking best looking recently turned 14-year-old prospect, uh, I you know, from the football standpoint. That, that I think Oh, I, yeah. I mean, ridiculous. he's a 2026. I mean, I, I'm getting old when I'm interviewing 2026s, Rob. Um uh, Kamarion Franklin, um, good-looking kid. Rodney loves that kid. Huge fan. Went and saw him last week. And the kid comes up here for junior day. He's from North Mississippi. You know, kind of, I think, from the Memphis area. He's got a Memphis area phone, uh, the 901. Um, you know, he's a 2024 defensive lineman. That's the thing. Tennessee starts piling up D linemen. You start adding uh, rushers and James Pierce, Josh Josephs. Um, you, you, you had Caleb Herring, you're in it for Rico Walker, you're in it for Vic Burley, you know, you, you start looking to next year, 24, and, you know, you know Kamarion, 
is is right there at the top of the list for Rodney. That's how this thing kind of slowly gets turned in the right direction. You start adding quality pieces on the line of scrimmage. So we talked offensive line first, talk defensive line. Um, and, and then, you know, I don't know if Tennessee will be a major player for Whit Weeks, but they're certainly going to try. You know, you talk to him, Brent. Um, gonna be, a, And then I love Grayson Howard. He's a good-looking kid from down forward, a linebacker, tall. It would be That's the way true. word I would use to describe him long. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, a guy who you could certainly look at and say he could be a Leo um, or just a big rangy guy if you wanted to play him in, in the middle at linebacker. Uh, with Whit Weeks, it, it, we got a story coming up on him later today. I think the biggest challenge or the, the most interesting thing there is what does he think of LSU when he visits down there? His brother, West Weeks, just transferred in to LSU from Virginia, moved in this past week. Uh, he will go back. He will go down there and visit them in March. His brother's a sophomore, going to be a sophomore. It, look, it's your brother. I mean, there's obviously, Rob, there's obviously visions and, and thoughts of, of you know, playing together with your brothers is a cool concept. He made it clear that he would only go there if he felt comfortable himself. He's his own guy. But, but you know, you, you got to think that that gives LSU a, a pretty good track there, um, you know, having a chance with him, uh, given the fact that, that, his, that his older brother has just rolled onto the Baton Rouge campus. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, dead period. Uh, well, let's talk talk visits this weekend, um, Austin. The Jenkins kid is, is coming in from um, North, New, New Jersey. Excuse me, yep. defensive end. Maybe another. Maybe not. May just be one this weekend. They're, yeah, they're, I mean, done, I think that they're done with probably, the signee visits, right? They don't have anybody left for a victory lap, do they? No, no, no victory laps. Um, you know, they are. They are trying to get Miguel Mitchell to come up here to give him a look. But, you know, he committed to Florida last week. Um, they went and saw him last week. They're still trying to swing, get him to come up here for a visit. We'll see. Um, but Jenkins will definitely be here. And then I think there'll still be some, you know, there'll be, I think there'll be some stragglers as far as juniors and sophomores that just come to town. There, it's not a junior day, but, you know, come to town and, you know, just kind of see, talk, talk to coaches, that type of thing. And then it goes dead uh, starting uh, February 1st. And for the month of February, it is a dead period. You can't have any players on on campus and you can't go out and see anybody. Tennessee's next junior day coming up uh, in early March. And uh, that one, it looks like it's setting up to potentially be another solid uh, junior day for Tennessee. Uh, but again, you know, that's obviously subject to change. I think Austin, they would like to get more in-state guys in town uh, in March. You know, well, the you look the much a lot of the Nashville crew, um, the NPA kids were in Miami at a seven on seven trip. Um, the Tennessee Select kids had seven on seven practices. They gear up for their their February and March, you know, seven on seven tournaments. So um, yeah, the, the March fifth one should have a a greater flavor of of in state kids. Although I mean, they they ended up with a, a solid amount. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Cameron Sparks from Chattanooga came up. You had Trevor Duncan there. Uh, that's another one we didn't talk about earlier uh, when we should have. When we we're talking about offensive line, um, you know, Trevor Duncan. Um, obviously, we talked about Sanders and, and Aiden Bustle. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't void of Tennessee kids. But at the same time, I think there'll be a greater selection of kids coming in coming March. Yeah, the Sparks kids good looking is a good looking prospect. You know, um, we'll see we'll see kind of where things go with, with him. <laughs> 2025. Yeah, 2025 kid looks like a really good, really good looking prospect, uh, for sure. I mean, again, they had some, 
they, they, they like good looking. I mean, the, the kid from Catholic, Trevor Duncan. I mean, that that guy's he's a mountain man. He's gonna he's be a mountain. As, he's gonna be as big as he wants to be. It looks like. I mean, he's got a great frame to build on. And Rob Lewis, if you want to feel old, Lee Smith was there with his freshman son. Or soon to be freshman son. Soon yeah. to be freshman son. I feel, right old, now. I feel old enough with, without that. AP's, <laughs> AP's talking about talking to these kids. And Hubbard, I mean, Hubbard, I've been doing it longer than I have, but I, I told the story. One of, the, one of the first interviews I ever did was with Jason Swain, class of 2003 <laughs> from Huntsville, Alabama. Yes. Yes. What, and um, that's what just, year were you born, Rob? 72. 72. What year were you born, Hubs? 74. Where were you born? 89? 83. 83. I'm not, I'm not that young. Good you're, God. You're not, you're, not ben, you're not Ben McKee and Eric Kane young, right? <laughs> no, they were born in like 1996. I know they were. They were. Officially old. All right. Uh, Tennessee loses Chris Ock-Perogane to the transfer portal. I don't think that's a shock. That does not mean that Tennessee is going to get a number for a midterm enrollee that will help in numbers coming up in the spring. I think he just entered his name in the portal to see what happens. He graduates in May. Uh, Austin, that's always been the plan, I think, has been – in his mind has been he was going to transfer in May, just going ahead and, and, and letting that know. It does not feel like – now, crazy things have happened. There's still a drop-ed deadline. It just doesn't feel like Tennessee's got anything going in terms of one more midterm enrollee coming in, even though they, quote, technically have a spot um, with, with the decommitment of Isaiah Nair. Yeah, I won't. I won't totally close the door. No, I don't um, think you ever close the door. But it just doesn't feel like there's much there, right? No, I mean we're talking. You know, maybe one kid. Yeah, we'll see if anything happens. With he's not slamming the door, however. Well, you never. You never listen. The one thing you learned. I mean, the, the the linebacker from Florida's been in the portal, out of the portal, back in the portal in a matter of about thirty six hours. So the one thing you know is, uh, particularly with the transfer portal, anything is definitely possible. Uh, and, and ever-changing with, with that situation for sure. Um, again, Tennessee basketball coming up Wednesday night as the Volunteers take on Florida. We've got full coverage of that. We'll have a preview of that, get you ready for that. Tons of recruiting coverage all week long uh, coming out of Tennessee's uh, Junior Day on Saturday. Uh, some hoops recruiting stuff coming up as well. Plenty of things to, to going on at BallQuest to, to check us out there and plenty of discussion going on at the General's Quarters. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest uh, podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.